Okay. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I think that's uh, quite a phenomenal scripture, and I think uh, it's maybe one of my favorites. Every time I preach, I always say that's my favorite scripture. But uh, it's quite interesting. Without, without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. So the only way to please God is to exercise faith. Now, if you want to please me, I guess fish and chips on a Friday night will we'll knock it out, or squashies. You know squashies? You like them? Give me some squashies, and that's me happy. But God doesn't want fish and chips. He doesn't want squashies. He wants faith. And sometimes we want uh, we think about pleasing God by sometimes doing uh, nothing wrong. Maybe we'll say, okay, I've done nothing wrong, so God will be pleased with me. I'm not saying he is unhappy with you for not doing anything uh, wrong or right, but in order to provoke Christ, as it were, and in, in order to move Christ, you, you exercise faith. And when you get into that zone of exercising faith and realizing that that's the thing that, that pleases God, I believe that the Christian faith and your Christian walk becomes really, really exciting and really, really difficult. <laughs> Because you put your, yourself on the line, as it were, because you are, you're exercising this faith. And I think it's, it's a challenge because it uh, flies in the faith of, uh, uh, of caution. Because sometimes we want to, you know, in our world of, you know, putting a strategy together and putting a business plan together, and if you want... Uh, a, a bank loan for a, for a business, you need to put a business plan together and every eventuality needs to be in place and all that sorts of things. You need a health and safety thing and you need all this thing and insurances and all that sort of... You'll know what I'm talking about if you're going for a building. You know, you'll know what you're going out when you sign the lease for this. There's th so much different things where you've got to be professionally kind of understanding in how you do things. But... The, the good thing about faith, it's almost like it's a, it's a smack in the face of all that things. Not totally, where it, it's, it's kind of like a, a recklessness, where you're, you're kind of doing things and, and, and saying things and, and venturing into things that is, that is kind of, you know, just reckless. And people looking on can think, what are you doing? And, uh, but inside your heart, you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm exercising this, this faith that, that pleases God. Now, it's a difficult thing because sometimes people get the wrong picture of it because they go and do things beyond their faith. They, they do things of, uh, they get like hyped up and excited, and then they go and do something which has got nothing to do with faith, but it's just about trying to make a name for themselves. And it's not about glorifying God, it's about glorifying themselves. And I think that this is the challenge of where faith is at. And we think of faith, you know, when we automatically think about faith, we maybe think about money all the time. Because every time when people talk about faith, 
they, they mostly talk about money. Well, I needed this, and I asked God, and then I got this money. I'm guilty of that, but we need faith in a few aspects of our Christian life. God places the means by faith, uh, the means by which faith can pre- be produced. The responsibility rests with us. God has told us how to get it. If we don't have faith, it's not God's fault. To blame God for a lack of faith is ignorance because God has provided it so that we can have faith. It says in Ephesians, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. But how do we get this faith to be saved or to be a Christian or to have that belief? There's like three steps it talks about there's the confession. Well, let's go to Romans chapter 10. Have you got your Bibles today or your uh, mobiles? Romans chapter 10. Let's look at this. Uh, from verse 8, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse, jump to verse 13. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? Verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Amen. So, I guess this is what I have devoted my life to, is speaking, is, is talking the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You get that? Now, there's a scripture that, not a scripture, there's a quote that goes about that is not good. Francis of Assisi, you'll probably all know it. Uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that? It's rubbish. It's, it's, not, it's heresy. Because it's impossible to preach the gospel without words. Not right? Because faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come by seeing. It comes by hearing. Now, the deeds we do creates a platform for us to say, but the deeds in themselves will not, will not work, you know. Now, my life is full of deeds, you know. We, we do deeds all the time, but without the talking bit, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't going to happen. So it's important uh, that, that we don't think that the things that we do are going to make a difference in the salvation in somebody without the things that we say. 
I used to be a pastor. Uh, you know, the, the real ones. You know, that, that, that work once a week. <laughs> and uh, if they want a fortnight's holiday, they have to take 14 weeks off. You know, them that get paid for everything else, we do voluntary. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jogging. Uh, and uh, the, I used to live in a manse. That was a real one. And uh, there was a woman next door. And she didn't, go, she didn't go to church and that, you know. And, and I used to talk to her and I used to have a laugh and a carry on and all that sorts of things. And uh, my daughter, who's uh, 20 now, but she was little. She, I think she'd been about three. And she was, uh, she was singing. Now, she, this, this woman had lived next door to the man, so that means she'd lived next door to preachers for years and years and years. And the things that she said was exciting. And here was my daughter, three, and uh, she, my daughter made her cry. She was hanging out her washing, and my daughter was in the garden playing, and she was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The deeds of the pastors provoked, you know, a, a different attitude to the words of Jesus loves me, this I know, from a three-year-old. See, we have a big emphasis, you know, go and get be a pastor, Go and get your degree. I'll show you mine later on if you want. Go and do all this studying. Go and get yourself a big Bible. And it's big and black. But yet here was a, a, a woman provoked by a three-year-old singing the gospel. <laughs> and I think that we think to ourselves, oh, I can't, I can't preach the gospel because I haven't got this and I haven't got that. But preaching the gospel is the only thing that you have got that's going to make a difference in a person's life. You know, you can feed them. You know, you can fix their teeth if you're a dentist or you can fix their body if you're a doctor. But if you want to change somebody's life, then you need to say these words. I mean, you can dig their garden to get the right to say words, but you've got to, you've got to say these words because these people have got to hear the, the message and they can only hear it through... Uh, through the, the gospel, through the words. You get it? You believe me? Oh, I'm not convinced. Okay, let's go to Acts then. I'll try and convince you. Uh, Acts chapter 11. Uh, 13 and 14. It says, He told us how... He had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So, this is Cornelius. So, God instructed Cornelius to send for Peter that he might learn the way of salvation. So, isn't that interesting? Why didn't the angel, why didn't God just tell Cornelius the way of salvation? Angels can't preach the gospel. 
Isn't that amazing? The, the, how God has entrusted us with something that is so massive. The, what is it? The foolishness of preaching, it says in the Bible. You know, the, the, the talking of words that the angel had to provoke Cornelius to get Peter so that Peter could come and share the gospel because the angel couldn't do it. It's not allowed or whatever it is. And you just think to yourself, what are you doing, God? Why didn't you just, why, did, why wasn't the plan of salvation brought through some other way? Yeah, we see the plan of salvation come through the crucifixion of Christ, but the talking of that needs to come through what? You know how it is. You know if there's a good preacher comes in here and he, and he shares uh, some things of faith that he has done and he shares about Christ, you go out with the church encouraged. You know, you go out with the church ready to, to do something, ready to believe for something, right? Now I've got it. Now I'm going to go and boldly I'm going to share, you know? I've, uh, I've joined the gym. Try to get a bit fit in my, in my, my older age. And it's so funny. You know, it, 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 it's, when you talk to people, it's like you're biting people. You know, it's like, you know, I was in the steam room and, uh, oh, look, got a Fitbit. Like that. I don't know my steps. Uh, 1,001. So far, never done 10,000 yet. But uh, <laughs> those of you that got Fitbits, I know what I'm talking about. So I'm in the steam room, right, losing the weight and getting fit. And because that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, I saw this lassie come in with a Fitbit. There's a couple of other guys there. And I said, oh, you've got a Fitbit. And she's like, you know, and it's like I was going to hit her or something like that. And would she engage in conversation? You know, and I talked to this other guy, and he just, like, looks blank at me. He had this little, the, the AirPods in, and he couldn't hear me. You know, the, the whole talking to people thing is, is kind of lost somehow, isn't it? You know, I see how you are. I'm, sort of, I'm not standing here and all monotone and uh, like this, which I don't know if you're used to that. I'm right in your face. <laughs> I don't know what you're used to. I, I, I've, you've only, so I'm in your face and you're thinking, mm, I don't know if I... You know, you're getting... You know what I mean? You know how it is? You're getting, oh, I don't know. <coughs> and, but yet, this is what God has called us to. He's called us to do the talky bit. He's told us to... You know, the reason why I'm not saying he's called us to preach the gospel because we're here again and again. I'm trying to get through to you. He's called us to talk the gospel. He's, he's called us to share the gospel, but he's, he, we need to speak it. You know, this is why uh, sharing your story is so powerful. You know, when you share about how uh, Jesus has come into your life, I think this is why in Benaya and Sonebray, these guys' stories are, are, are good sometimes because they share about how their lives were like in a mess and how they have come to Christ and how they've understood that Christ died for their sins, how they've understood how Christ's death on the cross has brought forgiveness into their lives, and how they are not on drugs now, and they're living a life of devotion towards Christ. And they say that in all their own words, and, and sometimes uh, Christian 
words, uh, words which are maybe not theologically correct, but because they're young Christians, we, we get what they're saying. But not only that, we get, we're moved by it. Where we're thinking, and the reason we're moved by it is because that, that's where the power is at. Because that's the gospel. That's, that's not just words, but it's words with action in a person's life, how it's been transformed. You see, I, I, I tried psychiatrists. I had tried pills. I had tried Alcoholics Anonymous. I had tried rehab. But then I went to church, and I heard, I heard with my ears, the preacher say, don't be foolish, but know what God's will is, which is from Ephesians. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to pain and misery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Then bang, you know? It's like he waved a magic salvation wand. And the magic salvation wand was the, the words of Christ that entered right into my heart, and then bang, that was me. That was me completely zapped. After going to professional doctors, after going to... AA, which had been around for years and helped so many people, but I hear one scripture verse, one word of Christ, and it completely changes my life. And here's me 32 years later on, completely transformed. So why would I want to speak about anything else? I love motorbikes. If I thought motorbikes was going to change your life, and it's, they're close to it, I did diagrams of engines and all sorts of different things up here. But more bikes aren't gonna get you to aren't gonna get you to heaven. <laughs> it's a good platform though. <laughs> you see what I mean? So it's this it's it's this words of Christ of which we uh, those of us that talk, you know, it's like yeah. I want to share a gospel with you. You know, come to Jesus. Now, I know that people are nervous, but when, you know, when you've got the, the words of life, the words of salvation, and you realize that it's through the speaking of that and through the people hearing of that and how you proclaim that, that can revolutionize somebody's life. That's amazing. You know, you see these, these doctors, these surgeons, how they, they operate in people. They're hours, 10 hours you know, they're giving it this, you've seen it on TV, and they're in, and they're saving somebody's life. Such devotion. But yet we are, yeah, Jesus can make a change in your life. I thought, really? He's, he's done a good job in you then. You know, and, and <laughs> I recognize the nervousness, but there's an energy that, that Christ puts in us that when we get a grab of this gospel, let me tell you something that you probably will not believe. I'm really shy. I promise you, I'm really shy. And uh, I don't like big crowds and, and all that sort of things. I'd rather shy away from it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, desperate to preach as in like, you know, I don't advertise and stuff like that. But when, I, when I'm there and I'm in it, I'm thinking, this is amazing. You know, this is something, this is something powerful. It's like eating ice cream with a sad face, you know. Ice cream will always put a smile on your face. You know, the gospel 
is always going to make a difference in somebody's life. What does it say in Ephesians 55? As the water falls from the sky and doesn't return to it before it first accomplishing the purpose for which it fell, so it is with my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. So, so Christ's words are really, really powerful. They're going, to, they're going to do something in you. So when you read it and when you hear it, your, your life is transformed. Salvation comes into your life. So when, when you hear God speaking into your situation, then, it, then it's powerful. So th- then this faith arises. So that's, that's a faith for, for salvation. So when God speaks to you about uh, other things, you know, when he speaks to you about other things and you've already got this faith for salvation, then there's, this, there's a faith for healing. You know, healing can come into your life. Uh, I remember when my daughter was born. She was, uh, what, what do you, we used to call it, uh, forgive me if this is a derogatory word, she was cockeyed. So her eye was right over. You know, it was right over. And all that I could think of is how we used to make a fun of the cockeyed kids when we were in primary school. You know what I mean? You know, we, we, I'm bringing you into it because you used to do as well. So I saw her face, you know, and I thought, oh, no, she's going to get uh, some problems there maybe because kids can be unkind. So I'm looking and I'm, and I'm seeing that. So do you know what I did? Uh, I put my hand on her face, her little face. She'd been about, I don't know, maybe about three or four months old. I put my hand on her, in her face. And with as much desperation and, I don't know, whatever I could muster up, and with much faith, and I was reading the scriptures about faith and about healing, and I placed my hand on her face and, and prayed, and I took my hand away and bang. Her eyes were completely perfectly uh, straight. Completely, per- You look at her beautiful face today and you'll see her, her eyes are completely straight. Completely straight. And I'm like, ooh, you know, the swagger that day. <laughs> uh, it was great. But I was moved. Now, why can I not be moved like that for somebody else's child? You know, you know these, these women where their children are caught under cars and they lift the cars up. You know that strength that their back's broken the next day. But they enter into that, I don't know what that is, where they, they can lift such stuff up when their kids are in trouble. And when we are helping our kids, we've got something of this, this, just this desperation. And if we could enter into that, the same amount of fervent prayer and, and fasting for somebody else, you know, what a difference uh, we could do in folks' lives. I'm going off the bit, but let's look at this in Acts chapter 14. As we move on a little bit, we, we the faith. Acts chapter 14, 7 and 10. It says, when they continued to preach the good news, when they continued to uh, do the talk a bit, when they continued to speak the gospel... In Lystra, verse 8, it says, There sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul and as he was speaking, but Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. 
and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped and began to walk. Now, let me tear us a little bit apart for a little minute. So from that passage, you could say that Paul healed the man, but he didn't. He was not even healed through Paul's faith. The man himself had the faith. But the important thing was this, is that however, Paul did three things. Paul preached. Paul did the talk a bit. Paul said some stuff. So as a result of Paul saying the gospel in verse 7, he perceived in verse 9 that the man had faith to be healed and he told the man in verse 10 to stand up and walk. Now the man did three things. The man that was here, uh, that was healed, he did three things as well. As he was provoked by Paul, as what I guess is my job today, to sort of stir faith and put belief and expectation uh, so that you go and do something or you continue to do what you're doing. He did three things. He heard uh, Paul preach in verse 9. In verse 9, he said he had faith to be healed. Paul perceived he had faith. He had faith to be healed. So as a result of the preaching, faith entered into the man. And then in verse 10, he, he jumped up. He jumped up. Now, if he... If, he, if Paul says to the man, get up, and the man didn't, <laughs> then he wouldn't. But because he did, he, he walked. So the, the direction of Paul provoked a man to do. So what are you feeling provoked to do today? See, what... What is stirring in your heart where you're thinking to yourself, for the first time in my life, I realize that I need to talk. For the first time in my life, I need to realize that the power is in the speaking of this actual gospel. I need to start speaking to people. For the first time in my life, I need to realize that I need to communicate healing to people. You see, I didn't just... When I was praying for my daughter, I didn't just take that from thin air. I had been reading the red, you know, the, the, the red writing in the Bible in the New Testament, Jesus bits for years. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to put that into practice. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, what I have read, I'm going to put into practice. I'm putting into practice this Fitbit instructions book. Can I figure it out? It's difficult. But I'm, I'm getting there, so I'm reading the instructions. So how to work this Fitbit, uh, I'm figuring it out as I'm reading the instructions, and I'm getting the good of this Fitbit. If you read the instructions about faith, you'll get the good of it. You see, if you, if you want to read, just buy Mills and Boons. The book of romance. Sandra, do you read Mills and Boons? <laughs> Caroline reads Mills and Boons. 
The Mills and Booze Rose, it's the rose of romance. <laughs> Far reads it. Nobody reads it. Ah, I've never got to sleep at night without my Mills and Boons. <laughs> if you want a bit of romance, read Mills and Boons. If you want a bit of faith, read the red. You see? So I'm reading the Bible, I'm seeing my daughter, and I'm putting the two together. You know? I'm, and this is why we, we, we speak. This is why we, we preach. Are you getting it? What time are we finished? Now? Who said now? <laughs> You're worsening me. That, uh, she's speaking out in faith. I didn't quite hear it, though. Anyway, let me finish by, by this then. Let's look at uh, faith and action in the, uh, in, in the Old Testament. In Joshua chapter 6. I really love this, this passage here about hearing. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, uh, verse 2. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have the seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout and then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Jump to 16, verse 16. It says, The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, it says, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so every man charged straight in, and they took the city. You know that passage. But let's look at it in the light of what we are talking about. Look what God said to, to Joshua, the word. In verse 2, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Had he? No. He hadn't done. Yet. But he said, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. So what's Joshua got to do with that? You know, he's got to apply faith. Oh, I don't know about that. Have you seen the veggie tales? Walking around the walls. Can't get out of my mind every time I read that. Uh, so he, he's got to do something with that, isn't he? Well, what's he going to do? You know, what oh, stupid thing. March around the city every day. I'm not doing that. You know, the veggie tales start complaining. I'm not doing that. And you could think of a hundred reasons why that's not going to work. He's going to think of a, a million reasons why that's not a good strategy. 
Let's bomb the walls. That's a better strategy. You know, let's do something like that. But this is the word of God which Joshua got. And Joshua had to do something with it. You see, going back to faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, it might not, you might think that the person whom you're talking to is not going to believe your word. But the word is powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, it says in the Bible. So you're, you have got to trust that the gospel that you speak is going to make a difference in a person's life. In the same way that Joshua had to trust the word of God. See, professionally speaking, this was a mad idea. How could marching around a city take walls down? Professionally speaking, and in Joshua's experience, that wasn't how you did it. But because God said it, he had to contradict his natural feelings and go by faith and trust in what God had said. So when God said something, he said, imagine what he says to the men. Okay, I just spoke to God and uh, we've got to march around the city. Uh, I mean, I think some of them would have deserved, I'm not marching around the city. They say, okay, we'll do it. So for the first couple of days, they're marching around. And then the enemy's watching like the VeggieTales do. It's a great illustration of that. What do they sing? You may march around our city, but you will not, will not knock down our walls. Something like that, isn't it? I remember that for 18 years ago. And uh, so you can imagine on the third day, the, the soldiers are getting, oh, I don't know about this. You know, We're just looking daft here. And Joshua says, come on, God said, well, God hasn't told us, you know, march around yourself. It's ridiculous. So he had to inspire his men to continue to walk around, which is absolutely mad. But yet, he, he, now not only that, he adds a little bit, didn't he? He says, march around the city. And then he says, okay, get the horns and blow the horns and shout. Listen, listen, Joshua, you know, I'm... I've got quite a loud uh, voice, and her indoors is that a louder voice than I've got. And I said, no matter how much shouting, this wall's not going to come down, Paul. But how did that work? How did he manage to get them, these people to, to do that? Joshua, Joshua's uh, something else. So the, the, the word was, see, I have delivered it. The, sec, the command was march around the city in the act of faith was shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now, can you imagine that? Where they, they blew the horns and they shouted and they, and they ran and the walls came down and they marched straight in, you know, straight in. How easy was that? You see, you, if you do things your way, it will be hard. If you, think, if you do things God's way, if you apply faith, then God will get the glory. God will get the glory in your life. You see, I tried, I tried, I tried psychiatrists. I tried, I tried, I tried. And then one verse on January the 1st, bang. These people knew warfare, but yet shouting? <laughs> shouting? And that, that, that was the key. If we believe, if, if we pray, if we believe and then act, 
something will happen. See, if we're praying and asking God, and then God says something, then you've got to believe that God is saying it, and then go and do it. You see? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not sure. What if it's not God, and what if it's this, and what if it's that? But what if it is? What if it is God? You know? Everything that I have done in my life, I have never been 100% sure. Never been 100% sure that I'm doing the right thing. Never. And I, I, I think if anybody says they were 100% sure, I'm not going to say they're lying, but they are, you know. Because you, you just never, you're never that, ooh. You know, one day you might be 110% sure, you know, but something happens the next day, and then, ooh, I'm not sure. God encourages, God encourages us. Let me finish with this story. Uh, I believed everything in my heart that God wanted us to buy Sonny Bray. And uh, we, we raised the money and we, we bought it. We had to raise more money to, uh, to, to, to refurbish it. And my father was helping me. And he's a professional. He's a, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a Christian, but he's, he's a professional. And we were ordering stuff from the place in Fraserburgh, the, the, the timber merchant. And I said, Dad, order. He said, I'm not ordering anymore. I said, shut up and order it. Uh, and he said, I'm not Gordon. I says, why not? He says, because that's my name. He says, you need to pay the bills before ordering me. I said, God's God. It's fine. You know, and I was trying to, I said, it's okay. But deep down, I said, oh, no, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do here? And I said, just order it. Just order it, Dad. He said, no, I'm there. So we weren't fighting, but we were having a laugh, going back and forth. And I was saying, come on. I was teasing him and stuff like that. So I'm reading Hudson Taylor's book that night. Well, why? Why am I reading Hudson Taylor? I'm trying to hear faith. I'm trying to... I'm trying to stir myself. I'm trying to put something in me, you know. I, was, I had stovies because I was hungry for food, but I also wanted faith because I was hungry for faith. So I needed to hear. So I was reading Hudson Taylor's book, so I read uh, his quote, God's will done in God's way will never lack supply. That's what I heard. And I panicked really panicked because I was 99% sure I was doing God's will, but I thought I was way off doing it his way, you know, doing it his way, doing his will. Yeah, I'm in his will, but am I doing it his way? And I began to panic. So two Americans knocked in my door the next day. They were mad Americans, not like normal Americans. <laughs> Joking. So they came in. They said, Hello. I said, hello. They said, I'm not sure why we're here. I was a bit bold and cheeky in that days. I says, I know. Where's your checkbook? <laughs> That's what I said. And they said, this is what they said, we are not money men. I said, oh, here we go. A couple of crazies. So they came in, and I've got two tours A Sunny Bray. If you come, I'll give you the royal tour. The Pentecostals come, I'll give them a can't-be-bothered tour. So these guys, 
these guys, I couldn't be bothered to her, you know. I, was, I, I don't know, I was just all nerd. Is that a, is that a word in Ellen? And so I get, that's it, there you go, that's what we're doing here. And I, it's about an attitude I had. And, uh, uh, but I was nice. And they said, uh, do you mind if we pray? I said, knock yourself out, mate. So the guy prayed, and it was a forgettable prayer. Now the guy that was with him, he says, can I pray? And I says, yeah, on you go, mate. And he says, oh, I'm, I'm not a prophet, he said. I thought, okay. And uh, he said, I'm just here carrying the bags. I said, okay. And he said, he said it's, it's not so much a prayer I've got for you, but it, it's, I feel that God wants to tell you something. I said, oh, here we go. So I says, fire away, mate. So he says, this might sound a little bit strange, but I feel that God's saying, you're not only doing his will, but you're doing it his way. Wow. I had goosebumps on top of my goosebumps. I think I kissed them. They were no lips. Uh, I was that chuffed, you know. And then faith stirred in me again. And I'm like, you know, that conversation I had with my dad, I'm thinking, it'll work, it'll work. I'm trying to convince myself. And now I'm thinking, it's going to be okay. Faith enters my fresh. The next day, I get 900 pounds. The next day, after that, I got two and a half thousand pounds. The next day, I was 15,000 pounds came, gifted. And the next day, I, I forgot. And since then, we've never, ever been in need. And uh, just now, I'm, we need to raise 50,000 pounds a month, and God is faithful. We don't, know, we don't owe anybody any money. We pay all the bills, and there's never, in 17 years, there's never one month went by that the bills haven't been paid and everybody hasn't had their wages. Why? Because of faith. Because of faith. Because of God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Please Him. I pray that you start to please Him by doing the talking bit, by hearing, by stirring your faith by believing and acting in Jesus' name. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word to us this morning. We are people of faith, but we are also people that are professionals. And I pray that our professionalism wouldn't get the way of our faith. I pray that we would begin to believe beyond that which is normally possible and I pray that we would believe for that which is possible with you. Whether it is buildings, whether it is seeing people healed, or whether it is seeing our family and the people that we come into contact with hearing the word of God and becoming Christians. Help us to walk in faith. Help us to live by faith. Help us to realize that it's faith that we need if we are going to please you. I pray your blessing on this congregation. I pray faith would rise within us. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Norman. I'll pass back to you. Or, oh, sorry.